0: As you look at all of the disparities that can be overwhelming, identify those and prioritize them, whether it's school kids or nursing homes or foster care or veterans or migrant field workers who need emergency care. Prioritize and then partner. Look at other stakeholders who have a vested interest in that same population so that they are part of the solution with you.
1: Welcome to This is Rural Health, a podcast from the California State Rural Health Association. The CSRHA is focused on ensuring that the needs and voices of rural Californians are expressed and heard and is continually working toward improving the quality and length of life of rural Californians. This podcast, like the CSRHA, brings together leaders in rural health care with policy advisors, community leaders, and other forward thinkers to gain a better understanding of what is happening across today's rural health ecosystem. You'll hear the unique perspectives of industry and community leaders and how they're finding innovative solutions to the challenges of a rapidly changing and increasingly complex healthcare industry.
2: Hi, everyone. Welcome to This is Rural Health, the official podcast of the California State Rural Health Association. I'm Michelle Schneider, Secretary of the California State Rural Health Association, your host for today's episode, along with Dr. Heather Hawkins, our board president and a dentist. In this episode, we interviewed Andrea Height of Henry Shine One, and we talked a lot about rural health, oral health, the size of California, and what that actually means for the communities in those areas who don't necessarily have access there are many things in California and oral health that we have to deal with including creating systems dealing with electronic technology and billing and how does that all go together so as we come out of the pandemic and people start having trust to visit their doctors and their dentists again we want to make sure that there is data and that people trust their experiences visiting their doctors and dentists, and that communities and hospitals and dentists can work together to make sure that everyone has the access and healthcare that they deserve. Today, we're speaking with Andrea Height with Henry Shine One. Andrea, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and what your company does? Thanks, Michelle. I am really delighted to join you this
0: evening because talking about rural health disparities in oral health and what we can do to improve outcomes is actually very close to my heart. I'm an area sales manager for Henry Schein One Practice Solutions. I work purely with institutional public health, rural health, community health on software and technology solutions. And I've spent over 35 years working in public health and sit on several boards.
2: So it really is a delight to be here. Thank you. So as a dental public oral health expert in the field, what oral health disparities do you see most prevalent in California and has this shifted since the pandemic? This is a really interesting question because California, in a number of ways, has
0: done a better job than many other states. Now, that doesn't mean it's perfect and there aren't problems, but there are states in the East that have struggled far worse. However, when we look at the West, such as California and other Western states, there are some specific challenges that are based on the size of the states, distances, and so on. So, while oral health disparities and lack of access, are uh, universal issues, whether one lives in the city or in rural. They're always compounded by rural. For instance, we'll start with distance. There are a great many communities in California that have a significant distance. One would have to travel to get dental care. Or the are little towns that lack a dentist. You've got migrant workers who rotate around the farming areas based on what the crops are doing. They lack care. And then, of course, you've got Medicaid populations where there just aren't enough providers to even address their care, even with a certain amount of insurance through Medi-Cal or
2: And how has that changed in the last year and a half with the pandemic?
0: Oh, it's just gotten worse. It's so much worse. People haven't access care, everybody's been at home, those who haven't had much care. It's not like decay stops doing its thing or periodontal disease stops doing its thing because you can't see a dentist or dental programs are closed. It just continues to get worse. And along with that, a number of programs that have been seeing patients either closed down or reduced staff for quite a long time You know, there were CDC and ADA mandates where only certain services were provided for a number of months, such as emergencies. And then underlying all of that is funding. Programs had to struggle through trying to pay their employees, trying to maintain their sustainability. It was really, really difficult. And that simply reduced access to care all the way around. And once again, particularly in rural areas. Andrea, this is Dr. Hawkins. I have a question for you. Are you seeing an increase? You know, obviously hygiene has always been challenging. With the pandemic in in your area, are you seeing an increase in periodontal disease in hygiene issues post-pandemic? There isn't enough data at this point. No one's really reporting on that. It's rather an interesting area that could be explored. So I couldn't answer that. What I can tell you, though, as we talk a little bit further, is California has got some of the most progressive practice acts in the country, if not the most progressive. And this is going to uh, really be a foundation for building on solutions for the future, because auxiliaries can do so much that is helpful and meaningful that other states can't do.
2: Excellent point. Thank you for bringing that up. So, Andrea, you mentioned the size of California, which is, I believe people say, the fifth largest economy in the world. We have 58 counties, one of which is the size of Tennessee. So people outside of California don't necessarily understand our scope and our reach and just how far it really can be to get from one place to another. So what do you predict as a future barrier for rural communities and populations in rural health? And it could be a current barrier or a new one. You
0: know, the issues continue. They're just a bit more profound at this point. Let's start with funding. You've got to have funding to do anything. And so, you know, no money, no mission. And so when we look at this, and then as you talk about these distances, outreach programs, when distances are greater, can be more expensive because you've got to put dental staff on the road and you've got to pay them while they're traveling, even though they're not delivering care. So there are some complex issues that simply make providing care in states like California or more remote areas more of a challenge, and they've got to be thought out very, very carefully. Now, there is some good news to add to this. And that is because there hasn't been a lot of funding thrown at underserved populations for healthcare generally over the last several years. And with the impact of COVID, we are seeing some significant amounts of grant money being made available. And from all the sources I know, you know, you keep your ear to the ground. I think we're going to see more of that. And I think we will see funding that will support rural health outreach initiatives. So I want to give my first piece of advice on this. And that is anytime you work on a program to address oral health care for a particular population, begin by collecting Data. This is because you never know how that data is going to help you in the future to get more funding, but I almost guarantee it will. For instance, you profile your population, you profile ethnicity, their challenges, their oral health status. How much caries do they have? How many infected teeth had to be treated? And then when you intervened, how much better off were they? Those kinds of things are invaluable right from the beginning of any outreach program. Because if you can demonstrate your effectiveness on the first thing you do, it's going to really help you get funding for the next thing you need to do.
2: I couldn't agree more. As someone who's raised money and given it away, data and telling a story is the only way you're going to let funders and other people know about the important work that is happening either in their backyard or hundreds of miles away from where they live. Exactly. What would you say are some innovative solutions that we could consider adding to rural oral health? You know, the
0: good news is that there are new solutions coming out all the time, and they're getting better. So I will highlight just a few items I think are essential when you're doing, and I'm going to call it outreach, because frequently we're talking about environments that can't sustain a permanent clinic, although a permanent clinic is always ideal. So we're looking at ways we do outreach. One of the most interesting new products about which I learned recently is a little intraoral light that attaches to an iPhone. So you can shine that light into the mouth and take pictures of what is going on in that mouth. So you can send those pictures back to a supervising dentist for diagnosis and or evaluation. And this attachment is disposable. So you just click it on your iPhone and suddenly you've got an iPhone that is an intra lighting camera. How brilliant is that for being able to assess the patient almost anywhere? Uh, a couple of my other real favorites that have been around for a while now in various ways are so, so important. The first one is I thoroughly believe in silver diamine fluoride because that stops decay with a couple of doses in its tracks. And although it turns the decayed area black, it can be so appropriate for children, for instance, with deciduous tea. You don't need anesthetic. You just scoop it out, apply it, wait a month or two, apply it again, and you can stop the decay. And then that child is not going to worsen and need more invasive care. And when we look, for instance, at kids needing to go to hospitals, hospital waits for oral health treatment are months, sometimes years out. So if we can do things that hygienists can do without anesthesia in a very non-threatening environment, like a school environment, that is absolutely wonderful. There is another similar product, which is uh, made by... SDI, which is out of Australia, and I'm Australian, so it's got to be fabulous. That this product is basically an SDF where it's a scoop technique. Again, it stops the caries, but then you can put a plain white covering over it so it's not that black look. And once again, you can look at using this on kids or, for instance, outreach to nursing homes where you've got elderly patients or disabled patients including mentally and physically disabled patients, where you can do an intervention that is very, very comfortable, stops the decay, and it can be done in their own environment, which can be very, very valuable for people who are compromised in a variety of different ways. They're like my top three favorite things, along with good old fluoride varnish. You know, fluoride varnish belongs on everybody who has got teeth. And those are really simple, straightforward interventions. The other thing I do want to talk about, and that is whether we're doing outreach in any format or other, whether it's a mobile van or whether it's setting up a temporary clinic in a host site in a small town, compliance is absolutely essential. We want to make sure that we've created an environment that adheres to all the same infection control standards when we get in a normal clinic and that our documentation, our record taking is everything it needs to be. So I do recommend having a dental software that can load on say a laptop or even be accessed on an iPhone where patient care can be documented. X-rays can be saved. Information can be shared in a secure way so that you've got all the records you need for continuity of care. You've got a way to evaluate quality of care. And, you know, those kinds of systems allow also, if patients move to other places, to be able to let those records follow them so there is a history of care that is maintained. That, to me, is one of the most important things, along with the fact that if you see any Medicaid patients at all You need to be able to bill electronically. Once again, every penny you can get in revenue to support what you're doing really, really counts.
2: That is some excellent information. Everything from creating systems to making things electronic and billing, which is a huge part of all of our lives. If you had to wrap up with one more quick what would you like to share with everyone regarding oral health and rural health? I'm going to combine
0: it. My first thing is, as you look at all of the disparities that can be overwhelming, identify those and prioritize them, whether it's school kids or nursing homes or foster care or veterans or migrant field workers who need emergency care. Prioritize and then partner. Look at other stakeholders who have a vested interest in that same population so that they are part of the solution with you. And then implement that one thing really, really well. And don't worry about all the other uh, populations and things you can't do yet. By doing one thing well with partners, you will create a replicatable, sustainable model, which once again can be used for applying for funding for the next layer of things you want to do.
2: Thank you. That was wonderful, wonderful advice. Thank you. Sometimes I'm (laughs) coherent. I just want to thank you for being here today. And I
0: really like that last quote that you said to identify disparities, prioritize them, partner and then implement with the goal of making it a sustainable model. That's very
2: impactful. And that's a great takeaway for today. So thank you for that. We'd like to thank Andrea Height again from Henry Shine One for joining us on this episode of This is Rural Health. It was so wonderful speaking with you, Andrea, and talking about rural health disparities and not just disparities, but the solutions we can all bring together to help improve the lives and health and access of people who live and work in rural communities. Thank you.
0: It was my pleasure again.
1: This is Rural Health is the official podcast of the California State Rural Health Association and is made possible by the generosity of our members. Our producer is Noelia Sanchez at Noteworthy Lab. To learn more about the CSRHA or to become a member, visit us at csrha.org. If you have a suggestion for a future guest or topic for the show, email us at podcast at csrj.org. To make sure you don't miss any future episodes, please be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast and to follow us on Twitter at CSRHA Podcast. Thank you so much for your continued support of the California State Rural Health Association. This is Rural Health It's copyright 2021 by the California State Rural Health Association. To find out more about the CSRHA, visit us at csrha.org.